No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin the book of 2 Samuel. It's the exciting story of how the man after God's own heart finally becomes king of Israel. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl takes us through 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible. The Philistines were at war with Israel. While David and his men were away, the Amalekites attacked their home city of Ziklag and took their wives, children, and possessions. David and his men went after them and defeated them. Then they returned to Ziklag. Meanwhile, Saul, Jonathan, and two of Saul's other sons died on Mount Gilboa in a fierce battle with the Philistines. We pick it up today in 2 Samuel chapter 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. David knew that Saul and Jonathan had been in a great battle and no doubt waited expectantly to receive news from the field. But this was an ominous sign. To see a man arrive in Ziklag with torn clothes and dust on his head, signs of mourning. And David said to him, Where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? The story was not adding up to David. We discovered that this young man was an Amalekite. So how was it that an Amalekite was serving as a mercenary with the army of Israel when the Israelites and Amalekites were sworn enemies? David was careful to ask him many questions, which shows that he had doubts about the truth of the man's story. Then the young man who told him said, As I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Now, how would anyone be at the site of a major battle By chance, we were given another account of this in 1 Samuel 31.3. The battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. 
Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together that same day. So did Saul kill himself or did the Amalekite kill him? According to this earlier account, Saul's armor bearer saw that he was dead. But the Amalekites said that he was still alive when he found him. So which story is true? We cannot be certain, but it is very possible that the Amalekite was lying. But why would he do that? Perhaps knowing that Saul had been pursuing David to kill him and that David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel, this young Amalekite thought he would gain favor with David by being the one to kill his nemesis and bring him Saul's crown. Maybe he thought he would receive a reward. If that was his motive, he was sadly mistaken. Therefore, David took hold of his own clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. David mourned over the man who had tried on numerous occasions to kill him. David was a great man who had a great respect for Saul and for God's anointing on his life. The Lord delivered Saul into his hand on at least two occasions, and both times David refused to raise his hand against the Lord's anointed king of Israel. Most men, upon hearing that their mortal enemy was dead, would rejoice. At least they would acknowledge the just vindication of God in righting their wrongs. But David didn't either. He sincerely mourned the loss of King Saul, his son Jonathan, whom David loved as his own soul, and all Israel who had fallen by the sword. He and his men tore their clothes, wept, and fasted until evening. David was a man of profound integrity and selflessness. He feared God and refused to take advantage of a situation if it wasn't right. The world desperately needs such people of integrity today. At one time, David's men wanted to kill Saul, but they followed David's example here in mourning for the fallen king of Israel. Then David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. If the Amalekite was telling the truth, then he was executed for taking the life of the Lord's anointed. If he was lying and Saul was already dead, then he perished for his deception and greed. Rather than being at the battlefield by chance, as he said, he was most likely stripping the slain of their valuables. And when he came to King Saul, he thought he had hit the jackpot. Instead, he cashed in his own chips. In any case, this illustrates the sanctity of human life. Whether through abortion of a fetus, euthanasia of an aged senior, or suicide, we don't have the right to take life. 
God is the giver of all life. In fact, life is the most precious gift he can give. So who are we to take it? We have all been made in the image of God. And even though we are sinful, fallen creatures, we are still the objects of God's unconditional love. Then David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. David had a God-given talent to take any situation and compose a song about it. This was a lamentation known as the song of the bow. You see, Saul equipped Israel with bows and trained them in their use, for the Philistines wouldn't let them have any metal weapons or tools. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. In David's song, the refrain is, How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. As the slayer of Goliath and the military hero of many battles against the Philistines, David had a national pride in Israel. He couldn't bear the thought of the Philistine women boasting over the death of Saul. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. David cursed the mountains of Gilboa because of Israel's great defeat there. It is interesting that even to the present day, the mountains of Gilboa are barren. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. David now sings about his dear friend Jonathan. There is no greater friendship to be found among men in the pages of Scripture than the friendship between Jonathan and David. When David returned from the contest with Goliath holding the giant's head in one hand and Goliath's sword in the other, Jonathan's soul was knit to David's as one brave soldier to another. And Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Jonathan was in a very difficult position for his own father wanted to kill David. But Jonathan loved David and was willing to part even with his claim of being next in line as king to see the advancement of David, his friend. Jonathan saw his dad fail to obey the Lord and heard Samuel declare that God was seeking another king after his own heart. Rather than fight the inevitable, as did Saul, Jonathan defended David and came to his rescue on several occasions. These acts of selfless love remain a stellar example of loyal friendship. Oh, that we might all be so blessed to have a friend like Jonathan and that we might be such a friend as someone else, even when it means that he or she must increase and we must decrease. Could we willingly fade into the background without jealousy or resentment because of our loyal love for another? O oh, daughters of Israel, weep over Saul who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. 
David had many things he could have complained about. Saul had made life miserable for him for many years. David could have used this as an opportunity to vent his frustrations or at least praise God for upholding his cause and defeating his enemy. Instead, David chose to dwell on the good things that Saul had accomplished. He called upon the daughters of Israel to weep over Saul, for he had dressed them with fine clothing and gold ornaments. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother. Jonathan, you have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. It's always a great tragedy when the mighty fall. Saul had a strong beginning, but he disobeyed the Lord and allowed himself to be consumed with jealousy and hatred. And by his own admission, he played the fool. But Jonathan, for as long as David had known him, had proven to be a friend like no other. The love he had for Jonathan was deeper than any he had known with women. That is not to say that it was in any way sexual. There are some who would seek to pervert what David said. He simply acknowledged that he had never known a closer friend than Jonathan. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jonathan was such a friend. And we who know Jesus Christ have found a friend even greater than Jonathan. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Judah makes David king and Israel makes Ishbosheth king. Division in the kingdom leads to civil war. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible. <laughs>